Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and good morning. You are listening to Q Talk Radio. Q Talk Radio is an LGBTQ talk radio station. We are also the creators of the LGBT Hero Awards. On today's episode, Raising Zoe 2, we'll be talking to director Dante Alencastre. Dante Alencastre is the director of the award-winning and critically acclaimed Transvisible, Bambi Salcedo's story, and he is nearing the completion of Raising Zoe, another excellent documentary, and he needs your support to tell this young but powerful story. Please help me welcome Dante Alecastre to the show. Good morning, Dante. How are you? Good morning, Xavier. Good morning, listeners. Welcome to the show. You, you, you've been on the show two times before uh, talking about, uh, you know, some of your, your projects. I know you're really busy, so thank you for taking the time this morning to call in so early. How are you doing? Well, I, as you just mentioned, I've been very busy, uh, excited, and stressed out because I'm finishing the, the final edit of the film. I'm laying music. I'm laying animation. It's just, um, this is the busiest time for me. I mean, just to be able to finish the film and and making it right and making everybody happy, you know, including Ophelia, Zoe, Letty, and of course the people that uh, have put their trust in me and you like a supporter and the community as a whole. Absolutely. I I can't imagine the the level of of a busy... uh, schedule that you're having to deal with. Uh, I'll share with listeners that Raising Zoe is a documentary that depicts an eventful year in the life of transgender 13-year-old Zoe Luna, her mom, Ophelia, and her older sister, Letty. So let's talk a little bit about what this y- that one year is about, because uh, to update listeners, Zoe is about to be 15, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. She's getting ready for her quinceanera next month. But uh, like you said before, my film is about uh, a period in her life where a lot of things were changing, and I was lucky and privileged enough to gain access to their family and to their pictures and to their appointments and to their events. So I basically captured, the, documented the year that started uh, with her 13th birthday, until her 14th birthday. In that year, she went through um, 
medical transition. She also went through some wonderful events that put her on the map, like uh, she was on a, another uh, documentary pr produced by Laverne Cox on MTV called uh, The T Word. She also finally uh, got an, uh, uh, the guidelines in her middle school changed because one of the things you'll see in the film is that when she was in middle school, the school district tried to expel her because she was uh, basically talking about her truth, being, telling her peers that she was a transgender girl and that she was going to live her life as a, as a girl. And the school district took offense to that and started bullying her, discriminating. And it wasn't only her peers, but the school themselves were trying to get rid of Zoe from the school. And that's when uh, Ophelia, her mom, with, with the aid of the ACLU, stood up to them and told them that they, what they were doing was discriminating against her daughter. And she actually stayed in that school and graduated with honors. And she's finishing now her freshman year in a, in a high school. As much as I know this story, because, uh, you know, uh, I know Ophelia and Zoe, and they also contribute to our radio station, I, I got goosebumps just rehearing this story. And like you said, um, Zoe, with the help of her mom, the ACLU, uh, fought school officials to have the right to self-identify at school. So you, you, we see this in the film. Is, is that what you're telling me? Well, we see the retelling of it. Uh, we have James talking about where he uh, was contacted by Ophelia, and we also listened uh, to Ophelia, Letty, and Zoe to retell the, what happened, because this, is, this happened before I started filming. So I think it was a year, a year and a half before we actually started shooting. So they're basically retelling what happened to them, because I think it's a really good uh, theme for people to parents to see that, you know, you can do something about, you know, your kids' rights. And you can also educate the educators because, as James points, points out in the film, that the educators knew that what we're doing was discrimination, that they mm -hmm. thought because Ophelia, single mom, uh, you know, immigrant, whatever, they thought that they could bully her and get her, get her kid out of the school because she didn't know her rights. And that's the other part of the, of, the, of the message is that you need to know your rights, you know. So, um, uh, and for that reason, I'm also partnering up with uh, other agencies, other organizations that deal with um, uh, monolingual uh, uh, parents or, or Hispanic parents who don't know about what their rights are, especially when they have a LGBTQ uh, kid in school that want to come out and want to express themselves as an authentic self, like as you, as you mentioned. You know, I'll let people know that uh, you're an advocate of equal rights globally, and that w one of the things you work on is to bring awareness of Latino and trans people around the world through your films. Um, we saw some of that in, uh, you know, Bambi Salcedo's story, uh, story, and then um, and El Fuego, which is a documentary that's based in Peru, we see some of that as well. Um, what, 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 what ignites this passion of storytelling for you? Why are these stories important to you? Well, like you said, it, it really began nine years ago when I, I went to Lima, Peru, which is where I was born, 
and I met a group of trans activists, and they were so eager to tell me their story, and I didn't know really what I was doing. Basically, I've always had a camera. I had my little handy cam. I remember it was those, those pocket cameras, and I said, okay, well, sit down and tell me your story, and I felt that their, their story was something that hasn't been heard before, uh, especially in the community down there, and when I brought it back to L.A., there were people who were eager to listen to it, uh, namely Outfest. Uh, I showed it to one of the programmers, and they they said, oh, well, you better finish the film because we want to show it. And that was nine years ago, uh, 2007. By doing that, I think I, the community here in L.A. started coming around to watch my screening, listen to me in my Q&As. So they started inviting me to my first Transgender Day of Remembrance, and I was impacted, Xavier. It was like it was like being in a um, I don't know, like almost like a epiphany when I saw these women. We at the time they were mostly trans women talking about their experiences, which had a lot to do with my experience of coming out in Peru and other prejudices. But of course, their experiences were more they were more challenging. But I was really uh, blessed to meet some of the people who spoke at that point, uh, namely Valerie Spencer, and she became a very good friend of mine. And the reason I keep championing their rights is because they're not just subjects to me. They're, they're my chosen family. They're my intentional family. And if something hurts them, it hurts me. And especially in terms of the youth, when I see youth being uh, committing suicide or being uh, murdered, it really, really rankles me, and I think I'm, I'm not doing it as just as an activist. I'm doing it because it's happening to my family, to my chosen family. And how did you learn about Zoe uh, and Ophelia and the ACLU? Um, did you first read about the case? Did you meet them somewhere, and how did that relationship start? Well, actually, that's a very funny anecdote and it just tells you how the the universe is always in you know conflating to for you to create or to speak up or to send up to somebody else's rights. So you mentioned my Bambi film Transvisible. Uh that premiered at Outfest uh in twenty thirteen and actually Bambi Salcedo brought Ophelia and Zoe to my screening. So that's where I got to meet them. But of course as you imagine in a in a in a premiere, I was like, hi, 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 who are you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll just leave. We left it at that. Then I got to see um, Ophelia and Zoe give the most riveting and emotional speech at the Transgender Day of Remembrance in 2013. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be great if I make a film about them? But I felt at the time that Zoe is just so young. I don't think I want to put it into the media glare that a documentary brings you. So I just left it, you know, like in the back burner. I also was working uh, on another documentary at the time. Uh, but when that documentary lost its funding, I, I think we met Ophelia and Zoe casually, and they invited me to their home. And the first thing I hear when I when I walk in the door is like, you know, Dante, move out of there, jump out of the jump out of the uh, sofa is because their little chihuahua dog is named Dante. <laughs> and then I found out also that day that uh, uh, Zoe was having a birthday in July, and it happens to be the same day as my, as my birthday. 
on the 23rd. So I said, like, I guess the universe is telling me that this is a story that I need to tell. And uh, we got along so well, and uh, I felt really close to Ophelia. She reminds me a lot of my mom. And the fact that Zoe and I, we shared a birth sign, I can see a lot of myself in her, and hopefully she says that she sees a lot of things about her in me. So I hope she doesn't make the same mistake. <laughs> well, you know, I think that um, one of the things I can uh, say that I experienced was that um, as Zoe uh, and her mom, with the help of the ACLU, really fought the school, it seems like it also opened them up to a whole new support system, a new community, and uh, to a degree has catapulted her to this place where she receives a lot of a lot of attention. Um, so that's how I met, you know, Ophelia and Zoe. We were recipients of an award, uh, well, uh, individual awards that were part of the CSW Pride um, event. Uh, I don't remember if it was 2011 at this point or 2012. My my memory's foggy, but that that was my first encounter with them, and and since then I've seen them, you know, take so much uh, center stage so many times. So is that something that we'll get to see in the film? Will we see sort of this uh, uh, eruption um, of events take place in their life? Uh, well. Yeah, I mean, I think the word um, that might be very suitable for this is blossom. I mean, uh, you can see in actually physically how uh, Zoe blossoms in the film, from the little girl that you met in, I think it was 2012, and I met in 2013, you see her blossom into the young woman that we know now, that be coming to the Q&A, into the premiere. But you can also see in her mind, I have early speeches of her um, as early as 2012, where you can see how even her delivery, her confidence uh, has totally gained. I mean, um, I remember one of the speeches that I love is, like I mentioned, the Transgender Day of Remembrance speech, and she was giggling through it, and she was nervous, and then you see something, for instance, that she did the year after, and she's totally confident, and she knows what to say. She doesn't have to read a paper, and I think she's no. <laughs> very good at, at the talking points. And uh, and the same thing with with Ophelia, who's basically an accidental activist. I mean, she never set out to be an activist, but she's she has, as you know, she has the most beautiful way of putting her child's story and and the way she advocates for her and other kids her age. Yes, the, the fact that you just had to remind me that was accidental. That's so true because um, in getting to know her, you, I, I should speak from from a place of of my my own experience. But I, it's easy for me to forget that this isn't uh, what she meant or set herself out to be. Um, that really, it, it comes from a place of love and support for her own child that that she finds herself advocating for. Uh, you know, trans uh, youth particularly because that's who who her daughter is, and and you know, and Zoe, goodness, and I see them. They're definitely you know a typical mother daughter relationship in terms of you know you see the 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 mom role having to assert herself sometimes, and then Zoe just being a really young person, and 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 
the interesting thing about I believe that you know um, that I've heard time and time again is she has so much light that she draws so many people, but she's also very down to earth and and uh, and funny, and she's very funny and witty. <laughs> so yeah, um, she is. Yeah, definitely. I you know I. I know that part of the reason that, you know, I wanted to speak to you and have you back on is to talk about what it takes to complete this film. Um, I know that that funding uh, any film, uh, big or small, requires effort. And I, I I want listeners to get to know how they get to participate in the completion of your film. Well, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, yes, uh, I'm actually this since I have only a month to turn in the film uh, to the uh, to the film festival. I'm realizing how much um, it takes to even um, make uh, a short or a documentary or uh, a feature film. Uh, it takes a lot of um, help from the community, from fellow artists. You know, my editor. I give my hats off to him, my producer, uh, the people that are giving me their music. And I think the support that I already gotten for the community uh, sometimes is not enough to compensate the artists that are working for me. So I have, uh, for instance, tonight I have a fundraiser at, a, at, a, at the executive producer's uh, house, who uh, not for this film, but for Bambi's film, Rolla Palencia, and we have, we're expecting 50 people to show up. They're mostly friends of mine, friends of Zoe, friends of Ophelia. And there's also uh, still a GoFundMe campaign that is going on. We're about to reach our goal. We have like maybe $1,500 left into that campaign. And what it's going to do, uh, that is going to take care of the deferred cost of, to the artist. So my editor has been working with me, well, not every day because he has to make a living, but he's been with me since October. Any other editor, as professional as he is, would have left me and say, sorry, Dante, I can you know, I have to pay my rent. I have to, you know, take care of my family. So I really take my hat off to him. My producer, John Johnson, who still hasn't been compensated, besides some gas money that I give him sometimes. Uh, we have a sound engineer, colorist and some graphics that need to happen, web designer, and they all need to get paid at some point. And we're hoping that we'll raise enough money to at least give him a, a nominal fee. Yeah, it sounds like this is a complex uh, process. And, you know, as much as this is probably, you know, a labor of love, it requires uh, money to be able to, you know, connect all these moving parts. Um, and so I want to make sure to put out there that we have included the GoFundMe link uh, to this episode description, and it's GoFundMe.com forward slash Raising Zoe one, one. The number one at the end, not not spelled out, but the number one at the end. So GoFundMe.com forward slash Raising Zoe the number one. Um, you know, I as as we get ready to wrap up here, I want to ask you a question and and see if you would be open to sharing with us. Um, 
a story that I heard about you growing up. Um, it has to do with uh, Sarah. Can, would you be up for sharing with our listeners your story um, with it's not true. Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> it's all made up? <laughs> yeah, it's all made up. No, no, no. I, yeah. Oh, you mean about my little uh, teddy bear? Yes, I, I, I would love to share that story with our audience if you're up for it. Yes, of course. Um, well, when I was uh, four years old, my mom got me a teddy bear, you know, a teddy bear who's male, you know, had a little bow tie and a hat and a little vest. And as soon as I saw the teddy bear, I stripped him of his clothes, and I went to my mom. At the time, she had her, uh, she had a woman that made her clothes, and I just borrowed some of her, you know, pieces of cloth, and I made a little sarong for for my bear, and I named her Sarah. So the next time I went with my mom to the to the the, the, uh, the lady who made her clothes, she said she took pity on me, and she said, "Would you like me to make a little dress for your teddy bear?" And I said, "Yes," and I was so happy. And she made me, she showed me all the little pieces of cloth that I could use and material, and she did that. And she was my my friend, my teddy bear was with me till I actually till I moved to the States, which was like when I was 13. But wow. it was always my pride and joy. My, and nobody ever said anything about it. My mom was just like, just looking at me and I said, well, you know, that's your teddy bear, you know. So I so, changed my, so, my teddy bear's gender. <laughs> so the, right so your mom was a, a supporter and, and this person, what do you think, uh, you know, uh, the person that that was making clothes for your for your mom and your family. What do you think she saw in that moment? What do you think in, inspired her to ask the question? Well, I I guess I, I was embarrassed to show my bear, and I I don't know how um, actually how she saw her or knew about her. Maybe my mom told her, but um, I I don't know. I guess if she thought that my mom was okay with it, that she would be okay with that. Um, but, um, yeah, there was not anything, uh, at that point anyway, I was like, I said, four and five, there was no any kind of shaming or anything like that. I, I was just embarrassed because I didn't want to ask people for favors, but, um, after she made the first one, I, I would ask her every once in a while to make another one, you know? So you- she was always dressed, dressed up to the nine. What, what do you think um, that taught you? Um, well, at the time, I, you know, I lived in a house full of women. So me acting out a little bit girly did not make much of a difference because, you know, I was just with all my aunts. I think when uh, later on when my uncle came, actually he had been in the States and came to live with us, is he's the one that rose this, you know, kind of like, red flag, you know, oh, my, my nephew's playing with a teddy bear and he has his little paper dolls and what's next? It's an asshole Barbie dolls, which I never did, actually. Um, uh, I did dress up for a little bit, but I think the element of, you know, the patriarchy or machismo that came into the household changed the whole dynamics of, of that household when he came in and, and, you know, and that's when I started feeling shame and much more an embarrassment. I just want to keep my toys to myself and, you know, not include the rest of the family and all of that. So, but before that, I was just like a really happy kid because I was able to do, play with my 
friends outdoors like any kid does and play with my dolls inside. And that's it, you know. Well, for that same reason, I, I, I really champion your efforts. I, I think that as someone that experienced this uh, coming to the U.S., uh, coming to the States at an age um, that, you know, you, you – well, we all require positive reinforcement, but, you know, when you're a child, when you're under someone's care, you know, to hear messages that may not be of support can be uh, very life-changing. And so – I, I really thank you for helping tell the so many stories that you have. Um, and if there's anything that we can do here at the station to be of support, please let us know. Uh, my hat goes off to you. I thank you. I want to once again thank you for coming onto the show. And you know I'll be at the fundraiser tonight, so I, I look forward to connecting. Oh, thank you. Thank you to all the listeners, and please be be yourself and be safe out there. Thank you, Dante. I wish you a good afternoon, and I'll see you later on. Okay. Bye. Bye. Ciao. Ciao. You were just listening to my interview with Dante Alecastre. Dante Alecastre is also the director of award-winning and critically acclaimed Bambi Salcedo's story. Uh, for more information on Raising Zoe, you can also visit their Facebook page, uh, facebookpage.com forward slash Raising Zoe. You can also find them on Twitter under Raising Zoe. Affecting the lives of countless kids, teenagers, and even adults, 13-year-old Zoe wants nothing more than to simply go to school, learn, have fun with friends, and be a kid. Unfortunately, ignorance and intolerance have always made it, have not always made it easy. Zoe, with the help of her mother, the ACLU, fought school officials for her right to self-identify in school, even in the face of bullying and endless teasing from both school officials and students. Zoe determinately continues to live her life as she is and tells her story in the hopes of helping others persevere in living their authentic lives. Raising Zoe. You have been listening to Q Talk Radio. Q Talk Radio is an LGBTQ talk radio station. For more information on this episode and past episodes, please visit qtalkradio.com. I've been your host, Xavier Mejia, and we wish you a great day. Thank you. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.